You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Podcast. This is Stocks. Um, Jules is out with COVID this week. Uh, as you might be able to hear, I've just got over being sick myself and still have a bit of the nasally vocals. And I'm in a writer's room all week for a TV series. So this week, we're going back into the vault for a classic episode with the infectiously fun and brilliant Alexei Toliopoulos, best known for his podcasts, Finding Drago, Finding Desperado, and Total Reboot. And the Finding series is currently being turned into a YouTube series. So Cam and Alexi are working hard on that right now, and that's going to be super exciting. And I guess that fits in with what's going on in our lives with this writer's room is basically something that's an extension of where podcasting is going. The boys have turned their award-winning ABC podcast, The Finding Series, now into a video-based series with the Auntie Donna guys, and I'm so excited to see what they come back with. Alexi also does the Big Film Buffet, the Netflix podcast as well. So this is a great podcast, one of our favorites, because Alexi is A, such an infectious and talented guy, and he chats through his journey from being a stand-up comedian to being a podcaster across all these different formats for all these different people. He talks about what makes a great hosting partnership because I think him and Cam have some of the best chemistry you'll ever see in a podcast. How do you sell someone's joke? These two are two of the best of it and just much, much more about podcasting. Look, this is such a great episode and if if you're not across Alexi's work, this is a great gateway into it. But we'll be back next week and we'll be continuing our Behind the Podcast series about producers. So, look, I'll get out of here with this uh, nasal vocal. Um, Alexi, take it from here, brother. Tell us about your podcasting journey. Well, I think I came to podcasts when I went back to film school and was studying full-time at Afters, the Australian Film, Television and Radio School. And me and my comedy friends, Cameron James and Harry Stone, were talking about just starting a movie podcast for the fun of it. And we did. It was fun. We had a little audience. And then Cam, James and I just want to continue on. We found like that we really, we just really gravitated towards podcasting as far as like a way to express ourselves comedically and to find an audience as well. We just really gravitated towards it and just enjoyed it so much and kind of got excited about like experimenting with it as well. So from a little movie podcast that we started, we spun that off into a podcast called mm. Mike Check, where we specifically talked about Mike Myers movies and whether they were shagadelic or not. And um, it became like a bit of a cult hit. We got like some really big names on it, like Hamish Blake and Will Anderson and Edmonds. And um, we kind of caught on with like a really good cult audience that were just obsessed with this very specific niche podcasting and um from there we just were able to like build out and continue on uh moving on with the finding desperado and finding drago series and then continuing on with more filmic podcasts a little bit more broader with uh total reboot which is just like a discussion on specific like a movie of the week podcast if you will um, so I think it was like interesting. We started out quite niche and then kind of broadened out, but we've always been proud of like the little niche that we've been living in. That's tremendous. Look, we, we love what you do. One of the things, um, I guess you talked about Cam James, who we've already spoken to in a previous episode. We'd love to know how you guys sort of came up with the idea, I guess, behind doing a podcast. Yeah, it was pretty simple, right? Because we were, we'd be 
Cam and I were like friends from doing stand up, but then we became much closer, like working on a weekly podcast together and becoming like collaborators together. We've slowly become, dare I say it, best friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think we kind of, it really did start because just wanting to do something a little bit different. We both started in like the stand up world and, you know, doing some writing. Both of us went to like film school equivalents and, uh, you know, it's hard to break into like film and TV, but the way into podcasting is like, there's no barrier. There's no gate. There's no gatekeepers. You can just go and do it. And I think for like the first year, we literally borrowed gear from a local theater, the Giant Dwarf Theater, and borrowed their recording equipment for the entire first year and would record there like after hours, sometimes not knowing how to turn the lights on and stuff. So we just be like in this dark theater. And I think, yeah, that was kind of like why we wanted to get into it because there was no gatekeepers and we thought that we could try something out and have fun there and kind of not really expecting that. I mean, that was like five years ago, five, six years ago now. I didn't really expect that we'd keep doing it. And I didn't really expect that we'd find like an actual audience instead of just like a little local audience of some weirdos and stuff. Didn't expect that we'd find an actual audience. And I did not expect that we'd end up doing it for like ABC and me as well yeah. with Netflix. Like that's kind of crazy to think <laughs> if I look back, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, you've got a encyclopedic film knowledge and anyone who's listening won't be able to see the backdrop, but I think it's a, it's a very fitting backdrop <laughs> with maybe what a 1% of the films you've probably seen. Yeah. Oh. How did you narrow in on the Mike Myers kind of angle? I mean, that is, you said niche podcasting, that's, that is niche. I mean, just one specific actor. Has, he has produced a lot though. Yeah, he has produced a lot, but it's like a very specific filmography because uh, he's kind of like the Stanley Kubrick of comedy where he like goes out into the wild for like 10 years, come back every now and then. But it really started very genuinely, like because Cam and I, from doing a movie podcast together, weirdly, we both would often use Austin Powers as an example of like very stylized cinema and like very, like very sincerely talk about like how wonderful Austin Powers is and like how it is a masterpiece. <laughs> and then just like one day Cam texted me, goes, we should do a podcast early about Mike Myers. And I texted him the name of the podcast, Mike check immediately back. And then the rest was history. We're just like, yeah, we got to We got to do this. We got to do this. It makes too much sense. And I think it happened at at the exact right time where podcasts and especially comedy podcasts were able to kind of thrive in a niche and by being very specific and, you know, having a bit of experience with both of us going through like film school and understanding audience through comedy, like we kind of knew that it helps to have a podcast where if you hear the like what it's about if someone tells you like a summary of the podcast a synopsis if they give you the log line and they and if you hear it it's like it's a podcast where we go through all the films of Mike Myers just to check out the Shagadelic you know that you're on board from hearing that uh, rather than like you, you're, you're on board from hearing it and if you listen to it and you like it you stick around whereas like if it's just a podcast oh we're just two friends we talk to each other about X or Y it doesn't really work so it was at that time we could be very very specific and I think podcasts have changed a little bit since then no doubt no doubt yeah, it's interesting isn't it because I think with the podcasts 
you know, when they kind of rose to fame, well, certainly, you know, the ones that I first started listening to, like the WTF with Mark Maron and that kind of thing, then there was this like influx of comedy podcasts. But it was, there weren't heaps that had like mm. that sort of mission statement, I guess, or the, or the log line, as you said. But it just really made it, makes it a lot easier for an audience to get an actual understanding of what they're getting themselves into and committing time to. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we've had like a bit of a swing since then where you can be a little bit broader again, but. I think the last five years, it was all about being very specific. Well, your chemistry is incredible as well between the two of you. It really comes across that you feel like your best friends. You're both incredibly insightful, encyclopedic knowledge of films and very passionate about it. Um, Cam's unique skill seems to be the ability. His laugh is just phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it's a great laugh. It's a genuine laugh. Yeah. It seems to He seems to be able to really just amplify jokes mm-hmm. and really... Let you know when it went to go, oh, um, and not in a sort of Jimmy Fallon fake over laughing way or anything like that. <laughs> um, what do you reckon? Your, yeah. I mean, I think from my perspective, I think your unique superpower is just your enthusiasm is incredible, and I think it, it seems like it's coming from a very genuine place. How do you or get up for it in all your shows? You're just so passionate; it's amazing. I think um, it's t- it's. I'm not tough because I, I, the only thing I love is film, basically. It's the only thing that I care about and live and breathe. And, like, the, to me, it's still all about the discovery of film. And the passion for me is about sharing the discovery of film and inspiring other people to be excited about their own journey into cinephilia and, uh, and like, discovering film. Like, that's kind of really what gets me excited and why I still want to keep doing film podcasting. It's it, it really is that, and also part of it is like you said, Cam's got the best laugh in the world. <laughs> uh, man, I chase that laugh of his every day, and I think that's part of the excitement is like me just wanting to make that guy in particular laugh because it makes me so happy. Okay, so that's something you guys are doing because I, I heard a recent episode where Cam talked about Fury Road being the gap between your balls and your butthole, <laughs> and he and he got you, but yeah. you were saying you were fighting with all your being to not give him the laugh (laughs) are you constantly trying to get each other yeah there's stuff like that where we want to surprise each other and sometimes it's like for us it can be fun to hear something like really ridiculous like that and then to not give it to just feel that other reaction of like withholding a laugh from each other it's something that we've often played with like that's so we used to do a podcast um like little specials we did them like once or twice a year we would pretend to do a podcast only about (laughs) dana carvey's career (laughs) and <laughs> the co-star of Wayne's World, and um, I would host that like a very serious ABC podcast, where we'd just be like, "I'm here with local comedian Cameron James, and Cameron, um, what's funny in your life today?" And, like press him to like have to do something funny, and then not laugh, and just go, "That's very funny stuff." And so we often fall into that pattern as well of just like egging each other on, just makes it more exciting for us. Beautiful, and you've called yourself uh, Jim Belushi. As a someone you sort of mentor, modeled yourself on, um, who would who would um, Cam be? In- oh wow, Cam Cam is a Dennis Leary type. I'm gonna say, <laughs> Cam's Cam models himself on all the raw nerve raconteurs out there, and I'm all the pudgy guys. <laughs> Love it. So Jim Belushi without the cocaine being injected into the eyeballs, or with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. I want, I'm the next Belushi brother. That's what I want to be. <laughs> 
I think the uh, the chemistry is something as well, which I, I think is fantastic. And it, you, you, it's the mark of, of someone's appeal when the guests come onto the show and then they just kind of get elevated into that way of speech and, and laughter as well, which I think you guys have a great sort of ability to do that and bring that out of your guests. Are you quite selective with who you bring on or is it just an open party? You know, we want to talk to people who love films like we do and let's just have a good time doing it. Yeah, uh, usually it's be- it's tough these days. So we're like, how do we get people on when we can't run around to them in lockdown and stuff? And as well, like both of us work. So that's the other thing is like, we're lucky that we're in a position where sometimes we don't need a guess. It can just be the two of us and things are pretty smooth that way. Because, you know, we don't have a podcast schedule often of like, when are we going to get together and record? Uh, So that can often be difficult with getting guests. But usually for guests, it's like people where we try to find the right fit for a movie. Like if we have a friend who's got like the right insight into uh, a particular film, particular genre or particular director, it's kind of like where we usually want to go to. And then if it's we're looking for more comedically voiced guests, we mainly just look for people where we think they would be very funny talking about this movie or they would have an insight of some kind into this movie or can relate to it in some way. Um, and yeah, usually that's kind of our our reckoning with like picking guests. And then more recently, I've been trying to do more interviews with people that are like involved in films that are more tangentially related to like um, whatever mini series we're covering on Total Reboot. Like we just did a mini series on teen films. So we talked to Ioni Sky, who just moved to Sydney, who is like the star of, in my opinion, the greatest teen film of all time, Say Anything. <laughs> and so we were like, so excited and nervous to talk to her but that's kind of a direction that we want to take the podcast in is like every now and then get someone that we think that has made something or works in that field of like the genre that we're discussing over those few weeks yeah so you've got i mean look we'll we'll get into the kind of recap thing i mean you, you've got recaps well and truly covered you know, you're doing the history of, of film, basically. Mm. Reboots, Australian film. Yeah, the Total Reboot podcast. Yeah, and you've started the the big film buffet with Netflix. Do you want to talk to us a bit about that one? Because, I mean, that is huge in terms of a, of a cinema lover to get something like that. Yeah, it was pretty surreal, actually. Like, I, I did think it was fake when they reached out to me. I'm like, okay, who's breaking me here? Someone's pulling the wool over me. I'm getting jackassed over here. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it's been really cool because... It's been a bit of an experiment with trying to make a film-focused podcast um, for a mainstream audience and kind of tailoring it for perhaps the people that are pop culture vultures, but maybe not like a super film nerd like I am. A little bit more someone who watched like a movie or two a week kind of vibe. And um, whereas I watch probably 10 a week on average. So so their letterbox is probably not in the sort of 2400 <laughs> like yours. It's maybe a little bit lighter. Yeah, exactly. So trying to figure out a way to communicate and bring my enthusiasm to a different audience has been the most exciting thing to kind of inspire that passion of for people in cinema and maybe tr- slowly pushing their boundaries a little bit and discovering stuff. And it's been really cool with Netflix because they've been willing to look at like for each season 
kind of look at how it's working and retooling it because they've got access to like, you know, more of the analytics than we would have just doing an, an independent podcast uh, and through research and stuff. They're able to kind of like retool it and be open to the idea of the podcast changing between weeks and seasons and stuff. So it's been a really fun, really cool time. And it's like it's truly the thing I'm like most grateful for in the last couple of years. Well, it does look like you've changed the format around quite a bit. Where, where does that come from? So you're saying is that informed by data or is it sort of a collective thing where you're looking around and going, well, what have we got to hit? Yeah. Or, I mean, how, yeah, how are you approaching that? It's probably from a bit of both because I'm more on the in that podcast compared to all my other ones where I'm a producer as well. I'm more just the presenter and I guess writer as well because we have to like put the research in ourselves on like how we present the movies and what we want to talk about with them, what kind of tangents we want to discuss on the like go into on the podcast as well to make it that kind of relatable emotional experience for an audience as well. So for the most part that comes from like the production and the Netflix side of like what they think but also like they're very open to like what I want to bring to the podcast as well and especially going ahead when we come back after a little break like what direction we want to change in which has been you know kind of refreshing as well you don't always think that um, like working in a the kind of professional or corporate podcast world where they might have something in mind they they've been rather open with like wanting to help develop it that's very interesting and how's it how did it work trying to build partnership with jen did you have a previous relationship or were you starting from scratch yeah i've actually known jen for years we met like very early on in me doing stand-up and um we've gotten along well for so long and been like good mates and uh as well like have similar tastes but also like disagree on things and i think we i've always enjoyed we said when we when we were looking for a new host because Susie was my previous host on that podcast Susie Youssef who's like my big sister i love Susie Youssef for my entire life one of my favorite comedians ever and she um obviously like is one of the busiest people in australian media these days so when we were looking for someone else Jen Fricker was like one of the first people that I was like oh I love working with Jen uh, I think we could have like a really fun different dynamic whereas like Susie and I are like big sister little brother Jen and I are like your two dumbass mates getting drunk at the pub <laughs> I was like that would be a fun way to kind of change things up and give it a different feeling without it feeling like the same thing but different and um yeah, it's been it was it's been really good. It's been really like a positive, like working relationship together like that. That's awesome. And it, just having Netflix behind you obviously gives you a whole lot of access to filmmakers and writers and everything as well to interview. I mean, like R.L. Stein, for instance. What's what's that kind of you know like when you suddenly say, "Hey, I might have this queued up." Oh man, that has been the coolest thing. Yeah, or do you give them a list and the PR people go, I'm going to go do that, go get them for you? Do you have that sort of power? It's more like they kind of like when something's connected to a film, we're like, we should try and get an interview for this one. So we got to talk to like... Zack Snyder for Army of the Dead which was really cool because arguably the biggest filmmaker in the world right now and that was really like I was nervous I'll be honest I was really nervous to talk to Zack Snyder yeah because it was also in front of a live audience at um the my god Supernova it was also with a live audience at Supernova in Melbourne and um and he was on like a zoom call with us there 
And so I was so nervous because I remember I grew up watching his movies in like high school. I was a Greek teenager mm. when 300 came out. Like <laughs> oh, that was, wow. he couldn't be more important to like to me. And, uh, you know, I was really nervous and he was like really nice and cool. I think as well, when you're talking to people that like get interviewed as much as that, they just know how to be on and turn it on for it. But we also just got to interview R.L. Stein for um, the, the Fear Street. movie series, the Fear Street trilogy. And that's based on books that he wrote back in the 90s. And I'm like a big Goosebumps guy. Like, I'm a horror head. I love horror. And in particular, I love the balance of comedy in horror. And I think R.L. Stein is genuinely probably one of the people that informs my taste more than like anything else ever. And so, truly, that was, like, one of the greatest, like, career moments was to just, like, one day get the call up going, like, you're interviewing R.L. Stein this week. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm happy to wake up at 6 a.m. completely prepared to talk to him. <laughs> and it was just, like, everything you would dream. He was very sweet and funny. And I think that's been the really exciting thing. It's just having the access to some big talent like that, wanting to talk about their stuff has been so cool. Oh, man, congratulations. I mean, I can't think of anyone who will um, make more out of that, that opportunity than you. Oh, man, I'm an absolute nerd. So it's just like living some fantasies these days. You mentioned with the Netflix partnership, you thought you were getting pranked at the time. I remember we were chatting about some other stuff when that deal went down. And I, I, from memory, you said you've never been involved in something that's come together quicker. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about sort of how it happened? Yeah, it w- happened because... They wanted to produce a podcast about like the films that were coming out at the end of that year because they had like a big slate of about 15 weeks of films, one film per week that was kind of like in that prestige area or could be like a what one would consider like a blockbustery type hit or like a, a mid-tier film, but all like high quality movies. So they want to like have podcast discussion around those films. So there would be just talk around them and kind of like giving them a bit of like a context as well for when they would drop. So we're talking about stuff like uh, Mank, the movie about the making of Citizen Kane from David Fincher. Then we also had like the Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So these films that were coming out the end of 2020 that were like prestige films and like films that are really exciting to talk about. So they want to like start conversations around those, those films. Um, and I kind of came on board because they had reached out to Susie Youssef and um, when she was when they approached her she was like you got to get Alexi he's like the biggest film nerd and he does like heaps of movie podcasts he'd be a great fit for this and then when they discovered me they were like oh yeah this is the guy this is the guy to do it and um, uh, it kind of like from that point on I did a demo with Susie then we did a pilot and then I think a week later we recorded the first episode and it was out and it was like really never have been involved in anything happening so fast um, from like getting on board to it coming out. I think as well, you get so used to like either being independent and like, you know, being perfectionist because you're like, Oh, I got to make it good. Or when Cam and I have worked with the ABC on podcasts with the finding series, because that is like the same level of highly produced podcast, but not a weekly turnaround. That's a podcast where we research for maybe 
almost one third of a year and then we tinker with it as it's still coming out and stuff like that's a highly produced documentary so i really was never used to like getting brought on board with something and then within really less than a month it being out to listeners and into an audience and it was really refreshing as well like to just be like kind of feel like fun to be by the seat of your pants in a way like that as well which was you know sometimes that's not the way with these types of podcasts where they feel highly overly produced like this was all about like trying to capture the enthusiasm that we had for films and the enthusiasm that I bring to film discussion and make it for a more mainstream audience that's really interesting because Netflix is such a is a huge company, mm. and for them to be that agile, I guess, and open to just trust it, they must have just had incredible trust in you guys and just let it go. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was real cool. It was real fun. You mentioned the Finding series. I mean, we we would be foolish if we didn't touch on that a little bit. That was where I first came across you guys with Finding Drago. I mean, these stories, Finding Drago and then Finding Desperado are incredible. They're little internet mysteries uh, for those who haven't listened and it's well worth getting involved in. How did the, the Finding Drago one come about? I mean, was that quite early in your podcasting career or, or you know, sh- certainly you're in your private investigator career because I know, you know, little things like wearing a wire while you're on being recorded, little mishaps yeah. like that. But yeah, tell us a bit well, about that, that one. that actually did start... Um, from our original movie podcast, The Blank Slate, because we did an episode on Rocky Four, And while I was researching it, I found like this weird book that was about Ivan Drago, the villain from Rocky Four. And uh, when I, I remember still that feeling of when I found that book and the backstory of Todd Noy, the author of it online, being like this kind of like Bukowski-esque mystery uh, author um, who disappeared and stuff. I remember that vivid feeling of going like, there's a big story here. There's something here that speaks directly to me. And then having the eureka moment of like with my family history of why it speaks directly to me was like a big part of like knowing that there's something here. And I actually started because, uh, because of that finding it. And then about a few months later at film school, I was still studying at uni. Um, we, in my documentary class, we had to like do a project where we would pitch the documentary that we most want to make. And I pitched that. And um, the teacher, the lecturer, uh, Anna Bronowski, who's a great documentary filmmaker, who is like our consulting producer on those podcasts. She was just like, this is your story. You really have to make this. Um, you got. You should make a short film version while you're here because you get better ideas on how you want to turn it into a bigger project um, uh, when you leave school. And that's exactly what I did. I made like a short film uh, where Cam wasn't in it because it was just me. I had to be in it because it was a film school project. And then my friends that were shooting it and stuff, my colleagues from film school and... Um, the, that short film is about probably 12 minutes long and it's about the first three episodes of the podcast, like right up until we get that first interview with David, who becomes an important part of our story in the Finding uh, Finding franchise, I was going to say, but in the Finding podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was like basically that, like recording and filming heaps and kind of discovering the project, having those eureka moments there. And then by that point, I 
we pitched it to the ABC as a podcast series um, to the ABC at the end of that year. So a few months later. And um, a lot of it was just opening up my assignment, which was to write a pitch for that documentary and command effing all the film references and swapping them with podcast <laughs> references. <laughs> what were you referencing in terms of podcasts? Do you remember? Uh, it was basically Serial was like the big one that we went for because we were just like, we want this to feel like a true crime podcast with the feeling of high stakes, but the stakes are incredibly low or not existent in reality. <laughs> and for there not to be a crime at all, for it to just be a weird mm-hmm. pop culture mystery where no one else is pulling on the thread except for Cam and I. <laughs> so that's kind of like the way that we pitched it was like, Serial but seriously stupid is, I believe, something that we put in the original document. <laughs> to do those 12. 12- I love those things where it's just all in on the absurdity, just making sure that you're treating this completely professionally, but it's yeah. such an obscure topic. <laughs> exactly. And I think as well, that was like for us, like living in our niche where we were like, definitely we could be the experts of pop culture detective uh, agency um, and like merging those storytelling techniques that we have with um, our film knowledge and pop culture know-how but also it was something that I don't think had really properly been done to that level in podcasting before absolutely was like documentaries the beauty about documentaries is like almost most of like the great documentaries when you think about it are about a very specific event or a specific person and painting a portrait of a specific person or about a niche subculture in some kind when you think about film documentaries i don't think that had really translated to podcast and audio documentaries at that time yet so it was something that we were excited about was like well you know trying to make something like the king of kong uh which is like one of my favorite documentaries ever into like that feeling of it being a mystery investigation podcast that's something very specific and very nerdy yeah well i think that the franchise is is the right term or the or the universe maybe the finding universe because i think even like <laughs> in that second series listening to the you know your, your total reboot boot show and then you're going through you know science of the lambs and red dragon and everything and then suddenly you just have this <laughs> parallel in, in the finding desperado show. yeah oh my god this they're, they're kind of electoring this <laughs> that was like our big thing with that podcast is we always want to find like a filmic reference like a film to have the feeling of when we're making it and the first season was obviously like rocky and especially rocky four 80s movies like almost beverly hills cop and stuff like that as well but then the second one we were like yeah I, that was my first idea idea when we started thinking about what we could do with the second series I was like well we got someone who's quite interesting we should turn them into a Hannibal Lecter and use them as our um, our expert into it and then you know they potentially there is another idea that we're working on and that's like another big film that's part of like uh, Cameron and I's like canon of like language and we discuss films that uh, we want to hang our little hat on perfect so it's going to be a franchise like the Fast and the Furious where it's just going to keep growing hopefully so how are you going to keep one upping it till <laughs> i mean <laughs> no idea probably i will have to start doing steroids and become much bigger <laughs> like the fast and furious boys yeah well you do have the family now with your podcasting friends <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are part of that familiar that's true <laughs> that's you guys i'll prepare a corona for the next episode <laughs> yeah i want to be at the barbecue with vin let's go <laughs> We got a mythos of Corona in our family, okay? We got a mythos <laughs> and some, some lucky on that barbecue. <laughs> 
So the podcasts have been quite big. I mean, you're, you seem to be growing international audience, particularly with the most recent series of Total Reboot, where you're investigating, uh, where you're talking about Australian, a lot of Australian content. Mm-hmm. You seem to be referencing quite a lot, putting things, contextualizing things, um, Australian slang, pop culture for a w- wider audience. Is your audience now quite international? Yeah, I would say it's, it's still... I would say probably about half Australian and then half international. A lot of people from like the UK and America that discovered us through the Finding series, um, they have like really jumped on. And so it's been fun talking about Australian films to kind of like, and like you were saying, bring that context to them as well. Because I guess that really is our mission with like Total Reboot is to like help people through those gateway of cinema and like lead them up the path so they can go out exploring on their own as well, inspire that discovery. And Cam and I are both like really passionate about Australian film because, you know, what do, what can we possibly relate to more than Australian cinema? It's like the stories that get told in our backyard. And, you know, it's also like the industry that we work in is like Australian film and TV industry. Um, so it's been really, really fun and cool introducing these films to an audience that has no context for them or has not heard of them before and getting that feedback has always been really rewarding like I remember years ago and I just re-released on the Total Reboot feed we did a podcast on the release um, of uh, Warwick Thornton's Sweet Country the western set in like early 20th century Australia even as the years went on, that was still a podcast that we got a lot of feedback on from our overseas listeners, not even having that film on their radar and it becoming a bit of a discovery and favorite for them. So that's always been something that I've had in my mind and like wanted to continue that in some way. And so now doing a series on Total Reboot uh, that we called Australian Psycho, where we're looking at like Australia's weird obsession or Australian arts weird obsession with like psychopaths in film and art and TV of like dangerous blokes and like you know nasty people criminally uh, unhinged people and kind of like why we have that obsession with them it's something that Cam and I have been talking about just conversationally for a long time and we kind of thought with the new model of Total Reboot being miniseries based on uh, a genre or a topic or something that interests us we just kind of thought like this is like one that we should do because we think about it so often but there's not too much out there about it and that's been really fun just seeing audiences go oh i'd never heard of um wake in fright and i or i'd never heard of uh bad boy bubby was one that we just did which is like a big cult film in australia but like overseas who would have ever heard of bad boy bubby in america unless you're like a deep like quentin tarantino film nerd and so it's been really fun like just being able to share these films and see like what people think as an introduction to Australian cinema through this lens. It's really interesting you say that. When I was listening to your Two Hands podcast, quite a recent one that you did, I couldn't help but think, do people in the US even know about this film? Mm. Or do they just know about, was their first Heath Ledger experience the 10 Things I Hate About You? What, what has the feedback been? The feedback's been good. The feedback has been really good. I think just especially like us kind of like overloading it with going like, well, here's another Australian film that it reminds me of or like ca- cashing it in um, some familiar titles as well. So we wanted to like really 
there was some that were like we need to hit for us and there's some that we need to hit for our audience so we started off that mini series with like Animal Kingdom and um, because that was like a bit of a crossover hit getting some Oscar nominations there's an American TV show spin-off based on it as well and um, the other one was like we should talk about the original Mad Max before things close out to kind of find out how Max did get mad uh, and become like the legendary Australian psycho and so it's been cool like cashing it in those and then having some more of the deeper cuts and then simultaneously on Netflix uh, big film buffet getting to talk about two hands as well and kind of share the passion I have for like that as like a like you know a backyard movie that's a movie set in the city of Sydney that I grew up in my whole life the Australian thing is is so cool I mean I'm a big film nerd as well but you know we've discussed this in our podcast before podcasts give you the ability like where your friends might not be so into these sorts of things to find your kind of mm. group and, and hear those points of view. Oh, absolutely. And I never studied film, you know, obviously like you have, but so things like listening to the Australian Psycho series and and the Animal Kingdom episode and you talked about the way that they capture, you know, the unique Australian light, like those sorts of little mm. elements are just things that you walk out of there, you're like, oh God, I've got to watch that movie again and just kind of really yeah. take that in because it's such a interesting kind of little thought amongst a whole bunch of others yeah i think you also just really hit on something which for me is like so important when it came to podcasting and being even drawn to it in the first place was in australia you're like so far away from what your dreams might be is you know like I, I was a film nerd all throughout my whole life, but especially in high school where I started like, you know, doing the research of like what I want to get into and like, you know, watching one movie and then going, wow, this guy, Robert De Niro, he's my hero. What else has he done around this time? And like going through filmographies like that and like working in a video store and there really wasn't really at that time like anywhere to have those conversations especially as a teenager or whatever like you know I had some friends that were interested in film but I'm a rare obsessive I would say so it's like I didn't have access to like um, Bill Collins or anything like that so it was like a lot of my time and like development of love of it was finding those conversations and like listening to like film podcasts from the US or on the IMDB message boards and like having an online community to be part of and I think with doing Total Reboot the a kind of like surreal thing for me is to now have fostered one of those communities myself with Cameron yeah. uh, to like kind of be like to have that community around us of people that are really excited about film and are curious about film and to like be having these conversations that I longed to have when I was a teenager now on like a daily basis in like a you know with these listeners and stuff and you're leading the dance yeah it's funny it's a long way from the kind of the old blockbuster days where it used to have the one person of the store their recommendations yeah. their six movies that they wanted you to watch or whatever. yeah Jeez, the amount of the amount of late fees as well that I copped as a, <laughs> as a young kid just trying to get through yeah. all these films and everything god can I tell you try and explain that to a 20 year old yeah exactly I, I reckon still one of the most stressful jobs I've ever had was a teenager telling adult 
like dads and stuff <laughs> that they owe like two hundred dollars in late fees. Like that still was yeah. the most stressful <laughs> thing I've ever had. And an extra two dollars because they didn't rewind the video before returning. <laughs> I was DVD era, so thankfully, you know, that would be more. That'd be me skimming off the top, telling them that they didn't rewind the DVD. <laughs> it's interesting though. The conversations you are having around these shows does generate interest. Like Netflix is onto the right thing. Yeah, I mean, you and Cam were talking about Animal Kingdom. And then you're talking about the TV series that's there as well. Mm. And I've, I've never thought of watching it, never got over the yeah. line with it. But then when you're talking about how it was shot mm. and how they'd got the same look that Dave Machado got for Melbourne, but they'd done that in Venice Beach. It's like, well, I love LA. I love Venice Beach. I love the way that's shot. How do they made this Australian aesthetic translate mm. over there? Suddenly, I'm straight on. So <gasps> you know, it, it, it is generating, you know, it generates this interest is actually legitimate. It is driving people to just watch content. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, you guys are fantastic at what you do. So, Oh, thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> look, we wanted to go deeper on recaps today, but look, we're conscious of your time. We may have to pick this up another, <laughs> another time. Oh, we can we can do a little bit longer if you guys want to talk about some recap stuff. Well, I guess what we'd probably like to run into is if you could tell us what are some of your favorite recap podcasts. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I think recap podcasts, especially when they're tied to a TV series, there's this new wave of them being like from like creator based where you know there's an office podcast that has like cast members of the office talking sopranos with steve sharipa and christopher Moltisanti's actor michael imperioli like they're really now in that where it's being told by the creators of them um and sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad i'm the one that i'm listening to at the moment is because you know in lockdown i binged uh nearly 14 seasons of law and order svu in a few weeks um because it's one of the most watchable shows of all time but there's a great one uh called that's messed up hosted by two comedians uh based in america where they um have a podcast where they go just through specific episodes of law and order not in any order um and they talk about the episode they do a recap on the episode and then they talk about the true crime that it was based on and then they have someone who was involved in that episode uh be the subject of an interview as well and i've been like a law and order like i watched it for a really long time i fell off for about 10 years but like it's been so fun to like dive into that podcast and especially when it comes to film podcasts i've kind of more listened to uh i guess there's a film podcast i really like at the moment called um film drafts and it's a US based podcast very independent where they basically pick an interesting connective tissue like they could do like best one crazy night movies and they get like some guests some enthusiasts on and they draft it like a sports draft uh, where they basically put together a best of genre list by the end of it by doing it like a football draft Fantastic. Do they get to the bottom of who... um, Do they talk about the uh, Law & Order baseline? Oh, they definitely talk about that on the uh, That's Messed Up podcast. They go into it all. They, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's very fun, very fun podcast. I find it hilarious, the idea that these, all these, you know, American New York actors who are on Law and Order for a while and haven't really done, yeah. you know, maybe they haven't done much in a while, suddenly getting these calls up to be interviewed because someone's, you know, rediscovering Law and Order through, through the podcast. Absolutely. That's the kind of joy of it, especially a show like that where there's like a million character actors. Just hear like some weird guy just be talked to for an hour. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) 
the, the preparation, I, I suppose, is something I wouldn't mind chatting about quickly because you, you mentioned on that other one where they, you know, they kind of theme and that's obviously something that you guys do quite a bit as well is, is you know, mm. if it's looking at trilogies, whatever the kind of thing is. But, you know, with the work that you do with Cam and the Netflix work that you're doing, what's what's the kind of preparation like for you and, and scheduling all this stuff and, and deciding, you know, what's going to go where? Oh, yeah, that's a tough thing. Hey, um, I guess with Netflix, at least I know what I have to watch. Like they they send out like this is what the upcoming films are you got to watch them um and you know prepare your thoughts so i always watch a movie like i would if i'm doing a review just take notes while i watch it put down some thoughts and then afterwards i'll do research like either on the genre topic that we're covering on total reboot for like that month or whatever and then um like you know i'm a book guy as well like i'll crack open a book uh like specific ones i'm doing a little mini series on um cuisine on screen at the moment so i'm reading a book about food in films and so that that's part of it so it's like a lot of research that goes into it that where it also ends up being like equal amounts us joking about like you know fart humor and stuff like that <laughs> trying to find that balance of like well-researched cinephile discussion and like really stupid jokes about actors and stuff movie stars um and trying to make each other laugh uh so it kind of is like all around like you know y- there's a lot of prep there's a lot of prep into it and then with the new miniseries format on Total Reboot, it's a lot of like finding the balance of like what's one that's interesting that we want to introduce people to, what's one that's an old favorite that people would have seen that they want to hear us talk about. My lockdown viewing to try and get me through it is I've started The Sopranos. It's a blind spot for oh, me. I've never watched it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. One of the really, great journeys. Uh, I don't know how it happened, yeah. so I've just pumped out season one there. Are there. Do you know if there's any good podcasts that are – or any content around recapping around The Sopranos? The, the big one is uh, Talking Sopranos, which is Stephen Sharippa, who plays a character you might yet to encounter, Bobby Bacala, and um, Michael Imperioli, who plays Christopher Moltisanti. And that is... That's a big podcast. That's huge. You got two of the biggest stars from it. And um, they have like three hour long episodes and stuff. Oh, wow. But then they'll be like, they'll bring on like other cast members. You know, they, they're all friends and family basically. So they get good access to like the people you want to talk, you hear talk about those episodes. My favorite episodes of The Sopranos ever, probably most people's favorites ever, is um, Pine Barrens. I think it's episode in the fourth or fifth season, or fourth season, I believe. And it's directed by um, uh, Steve Buscemi. So they bring him on to talk about making and conceiving and shooting that episode. And it's like, it, it really is like, that's the stuff you want to hear, but it's long, long, long. So you got to be very committed to both The Sopranos and to that podcast. Well, it looks like I might have enough time on my hands. So, um, <laughs> it's funny you yeah. mentioned that episode. I've had someone already say, oh, you're watching The Sopranos. When you get to this episode and you've watched it, call me. And we'll oh, chat. yeah. I really want to get your That's take. it. I, as soon as you said you started watching Sopranos, my eyes lit up. I'm like, can't wait till we get out of lockdown so we can like have a yarn over a beer about the freaking Sopranos. <laughs> I, I started watching Sopranos when I was 13 years old. And I think I've wa- gone through the whole series... I think last year or the year before, my partner and I, she had never seen it. I introduced her to it and we watched it through for probably my eighth or ninth run through. And she's now still asking me to let's go. Let's go again. (laughs) 
I think I watched it while I was doing some data entry job and maybe oh. polished off the seven series yeah. or whatever it was in about three weeks <laughs> and started talking like that. Yeah, I reckon a teenage know. me had a bit of an accent because of it. Yeah, one of my best friends is Italian and I've spent a lot of time with their family and been missing that the last few yeah. few weeks, few months. And I was going, oh, okay, I've got a new family here. They're a bit, <laughs> a bit looser than, than my mate, but, you know, Absolutely. there's a lot of the same beats. So... Yeah, I think that's that thing with like those recap shows as well. It's like it gives you a bit of purpose to a rewatch as well. So it's like you're engaging with it in a new and different way. If we can get you out on out of here on just a bit of advice to anyone who's thinking of starting a podcast. Oh man, that's uh, let me have a think. I would say have a think about it as well. Like make sure you kind of know what you want to talk about so you're not going in too loose as well. I think that's been a good thing. And kind of thinking about like the listener experience. If you want to start a podcast, more than likely you're a fan of podcasts and a listener of podcasts, especially if you're listening to this show about like how podcasts are made. You have... Um, you have some you have an insight into like why you like podcasts so say think about that and think about like the listener experience and how you can make it compelling for a listener whether that be through like your sense of humor your banter or the structure of things or just the topic that you want to talk about i think that's a really key aspect for me well, I can say personally that the listening experience across your various shows is absolutely, you know, just top notch and, and very compelling indeed. So thanks a lot for coming on board and chatting to us today. It's been unreal. My pleasure. So fun to hang out with you guys today. Thanks so much, Alexi. Really appreciate it. 